Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now. All right, welcome everybody. This is Daniel Bustis with this month's episode of Business Power Hour. I am super excited to bring two rock stars in as guests this month. We have two people from StoryBrand that are going to be talking about how storytelling can make or break your marketing. Without further ado, I'd like to first introduce our first guest, which is JJ Peterson. JJ, if you could take a moment and tell people who you are, what you do, and how you're tied to StoryBrand. Yeah, so uh, I'm JJ Peterson, and I am the director of teaching and facilitation at StoryBrand. So I uh, help companies clarify their message through a story framework, basically teach people how story works, why story is important, and then help them craft their story. Um, and, and we do that in live workshops in Nashville, but then also I go out and work privately with companies all across the U.S. and Canada and Australia, Europe, and uh, just really get to help companies basically just create a clear and compelling message that ultimately will engage their customers in a new way. That's amazing. And we also have Kula from StoryBrand. And so Kula, could you tell people a little bit about yourself and how you tie back with StoryBrand? Totally. Before I do that, I would also like to mention that JJ just passed his dissertation and is now an official PhD. Wow. So um, he, will, he never introduces himself as Dr. Peterson, and I keep trying to make him do that. But um, we have a real life doctor on the line with us today. So uh, He's going to have some great stuff to share. My name is Kula. I have been with StoryBrand um, about how long? About the same time that JJ has been, uh, maybe about four years at this point. And my role at StoryBrand is uh, the director of our certification program. So once uh, the idea behind the certification program is that we, we want to train the world's best marketers. So if you are a marketing consultant or um, you know, you run a marketing agency and you want to be able to not only use the story brand framework in your own business, but you also want to, um, you know, be certified to represent story brand in the marketplace and serve clients really well, then you would get trained by us. So I'm in charge of the certification program. At this point, we have story brand certified marketers all over the world. So the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Australia, um, Portugal, Germany, Denmark, really all over the world. So it's been fun to be part of the StoryBrand team pretty much from the beginning and, and just see how it's grown. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so before we first uh, cover, uh, for those that are listening in and maybe haven't uh, heard about StoryBrand, uh, I'd like to bring up a fun fact. So JJ, you have a pretty impressive background and congratulations on, on your doctorate. That's, that's pretty I impressive. Know, I don't know if I would say impressive. You <laughs> unique but i don't know about impressive. <laughs> so you've got um you've got a really amazing background so one of the cool fun facts is you've worked with missy ellett on a video is that correct <laughs> yes that is true i was a um i was a dancer dancer is a really strong term uh, <laughs> dancer in a missy elliott music video so most times when people see me they immediately go dude that guy should be in a rap video <laughs> i really really was so <laughs> awesome and you were also on the ellen degeneres show right um well she um 
yes, kind of. <laughs> she, I took some friends and you know how she makes everybody dance ahead of time. And it used to be a bigger thing. And uh, for her first 500 episodes, she did this uh, celebration. She did this compilation of her favorite dancers from her first 500 episode. And I opened and closed the uh, the montage, which is what <laughs> some of the other stuff I got to do. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I like to take advantage of. Uh, I, I like to live life. I like to step <laughs> in front of me, and sometimes that's dancing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, not only do we have a doctor in our presence, we also have a celebrity in our presence. <laughs> We'll be Indeed. signing uh, autographs at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so for um, speaking now, talk about StoryBrand. For anyone who's listening and says, okay, I've maybe heard of story or storytelling uh, or maybe even the word StoryBrand before, um, we all know uh, it's a New York Times bestselling book. But for anyone else who's maybe not familiar with what StoryBrand is, can you two give a quick overview for, you know, what is StoryBrand? Where did it come from? And, you know, what is it? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> obviously in marketing and branding, story is a buzzword. Everybody is like, you need to tell a good story. You need to write a good story. You need to have a good story in order to engage. You know, there's with YouTube and even Insta stories and all these things, everybody is all about telling a story. The problem is most people actually don't understand what it takes to create a good story. And it's much more simple than I think a lot of people think, oh, you need to have all of this um, film background, or you need to be super creative, or you need to spend so much money on hiring a production crew to come in and create the story. And the reality is telling a good story is much easier than you think, because it's actually very formulaic. And so Donald Miller, who he, he was actually a New York Times bestseller for some of his other books, um, basically studied story. He began to study story and see that all stories essentially have seven common elements. Like every movie you've seen, book you've read, there are seven common elements to every good story. And he called this the story brand framework. And so he took these, like he was watching movies, reading stories and said, these are all the common themes in every story and that there is a character. And, and that seems kind of obvious, um, you know, when you're kind of, when you start talking about story, but there is a character and we immediately need to know at the beginning of the story, what that character wants. And it's very clear in a movie, it's usually within the first about six to seven minutes of the film, you understand what the character wants. Um, and then from there, the character has to encounter a problem that gets in the way of what they want. Something comes up. If, if there was no problem, there is not a good story. And then from there, they meet a guide somebody who comes along and who has been there ahead of them, who's overcome this problem before over and helps them through that. Um, so think Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi and star Wars, Luke Skywalker being the hero, um, Obi-Wan being the guide. And then the, the guide gives them a plan, a very clear path forward to win the day. There's a moment where there is a call to action and we know in the story how this can end this story can end successfully or in failure. So that's any story you've ever seen is a character who encounters a problem, who meets a guide, who gives them a plan, who calls them to action and ultimately can result in success and failure. So that's just the basic premise of story. And 
what Donald, what Donald Miller and StoryBrand has done is taken those elements and said, for companies that are out there, one of the biggest mistakes that companies make is they try to position themselves as the hero in the story. You are not the hero in the story. Your customer is the hero. And your customer is living a story every single day. These, they see themselves as the hero of their story. And if brands and businesses come in and try to position themselves as another hero in another story, the customer may say, that's great. I love what they're doing. That's a great story, but it's not my story. That's their story. And so what we help companies do is not only identify all those elements, but really shift things around. The big paradigm shift is you are not the hero of the story. Your customer is, and you are their guide. So how do you create a story that positions you along the path that your customer, the story your customer is already living in a way that gets them a win? Yeah. And, and, I'll just add on to that. Uh, it's so powerful when you make that shift in position, when you're engaging with customers and trying to motivate them to take action with your brand, when you stop telling your story and invite them into a story that they really want to be a part of, they finally understand why they need to do business with you or why they need to donate to your cause or buy your product or use your service. So even that's that it's kind of a subtle shift, but once you make that move and start positioning your customer as the hero of the story that your brand is telling, people just start paying attention to what you're doing um, and engage more with what you're trying to do. The other thing I'll say is, you know, story is a story is the most powerful tool that you can use to compel human beings to take action. Um, and it's been that way for thousands and thousands of years, and it will be that way forevermore. Uh, it's a universal language. So no matter, you know, where you're located or what industry your company is or what your initiative you're trying to get past um, involves story is the tool that you have to use if you want to compel people to take action with your brand and if you want to motivate people to move the other thing so so story when you filter your messaging your company or organization organization's messaging through the lens of story people are motivated to take action the other thing that this framework that we teach helps company do helps companies do is gain an enormous amount of clarity on their message so a, a big humongous problem that we have detected in today's marketplace is that uh, businesses organizations nonprofits for-profits startups billion dollar brands they're wasting an enormous amount of money on marketing and the main reason that most of their marketing is a waste is because it's really, really confusing. What they're saying to their customers is really confusing. And so, you know, 10 years ago, the brands that were the most creative and, you know, sort of elusive and, and you know, like ethereal in how they spoke to their customers, those were the brands that were really standing out in the marketplace um, with the rise of the internet and social media. But today, people are being bombarded with thousands and thousands and thousands of commercial messages every single day. So the brands that are creative and elusive in their messaging are the ones that are getting ignored today. And the brands that are communicating the clearest are the ones that are actually winning. And so not only does this framework that we teach help you create a compelling story that people will understand and respond to, it also helps you clarify your message so that what you're saying to customers is so unbelievably clear that they don't have to spend any time wondering what you do or how you can help them solve a problem.
Yeah, it acts as a filter for all your messaging. And and let me just give, so some of this might seem a little bit, you know, heady and it's kind of like, oh, story and customer and all these things. But let me just give you a really practical example, say from a website. Because what happens is companies create their story through this framework and then we teach them how to put it into emails and put it into uh, websites and put it into elevator pitches, all of those things. So here's an example of, of a company that I was working with there. I won't say the name but they're a health food company. And the, we, I went to their front page and the, uh, of their website, and the, the header in their website says, read your food. And I looked at that, and I was like, I, I don't – I knew what they did, but if that is really – that is the story they're trying to tell. Read your food. One, that's not clear because it's not about their customer. It's about their labels. It's about the company labels, right? So the company wanted to essentially what they were trying to say is compare our health food products to other companies' health food products. We're better. But because they're so close to their their um, products, they thought they were being really clear about this. And so they just put, they thought it was this very creative thing, read your food and nobody knows what it is. And when they actually changed the language to read your food, their sales dropped because people don't have time when they're coming to websites to just sit and sift through everything. If you're frustrated, I mean, think about how many times like you've gone to purchase something or you're looking up times or making a reservation online and it takes more than 30 seconds. So it's like, Ugh, I'm done. You know, you're just done with it because we don't, we don't have time these days to like settle for, um, for confusion and for difficulty. And so, um, so if they would have said instead, we know you want the best tasting foods. And unfortunately you feel like that people are claiming they're great foods and the labels are misleading. You feel frustrated by that. I wouldn't put all that on a website, but like if they put that in an email that really positions their customer as the hero of the story, the story is about them. You're looking for great food. The problem is you feel misled by all these labels that aren't telling you the full truth. We understand this and have also been frustrated by it as well, which is why we are very clear on our, on our uh, labels, exactly what is in the product. So buy today so you can be confident that you're going to be eating healthy foods that are going to um, make you feel good and stop feeling like you're getting ripped off. I just I think, went through the story right there. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point. One of the things that we see as a marketing agency when clients are coming to us and, and they're having challenges is they don't, they don't understand that at the most basic psychological level, every single person, when they wake up in the morning, <clears throat> excuse me, when they wake up in the morning, no one says, gosh, you know what I'd like to do today? Buy some random widgets or, or whatever. They're looking at how their life can be better. You know, how can I ensure that my children will have a bright future and a good education? How can I make sure that, you know, I can enjoy life, uh, you know, take care of my family, all those different things that are important to them. So if your messaging isn't tying back to what their end goals are, because that's why they're buying. They're buying first off of emotional and then second based off of logic. And so you have to tie to the emotion of what their end goals are. And so if you're not doing that, then you end up getting caught in this weird space where you're talking about features and things like that. And you end up talking all about, as you both have mentioned, talking about yourself. And they don't care about that. They care about them. So can we address, and I know you gave a great example, but... 
you know, we all know that that's a major problem and a lot of companies and business owners as well as marketers have a really hard time making that slight shift about talking about themselves versus talking about the customer, making the customer the hero and you're only the catalyst or the guide that's going to get them to that result. So what might be the first step, whether it's in theory or thinking or in, in taking action, you know, using obviously the story brand framework, what would be the first thing that they'd want to do if they're listening and they pull up their website or they look at some marketing collateral and they're in business? I think before we get into what you actually need to do, you have to understand how the human brain works. And you brought up a really great point, Daniel, about, you know, how people make decisions. Um, if we take off our storytelling hats and sort of think about just human behavior, every single person on the planet's brain is literally programmed to do two primary things. The first thing that the brain is is programmed to do is to survive and thrive. So even subconsciously, your brain is constantly scanning the environment for things that will help it survive and thrive. So, you know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Luckily for, you know, us. Uh, we don't have to worry about food, water, shelter, things like that. So we're in that next sort of tier of survival mechanisms. So what we're looking for is things that, is, that are going to help us avoid hassle or reduce anxiety or give us a brighter future, whatever that might be. So uh, what that means for, for you as a communicator or you as a company is that you've got to you have to connect your product or service to how you're going to help your customer survive and thrive. And, you know, I'm sitting here in our office and I have no idea how many chairs are in our office, but I know exactly where the exits are, right? Because if there's a fire, my human instinct is that I got to get out, right? So the information that is not critical to my survival and thriving, my brain literally ignores. And so if you're talking about yourself and all the features of your technology or, you know, when your dad started the company, whatever it might be, that is information that your customers' brains are quite literally designed to ignore. And so I think the first thing that, that you can do in positioning yourself as the guide is look at what you're saying about your company. And if you're not connecting the product or the service that you're selling to how you help your customers survive and thrive, their brain is going to tune you out and you're going to descend into the noise of a really crowded marketplace. So that's the first thing that you want to think about um, in, in making that shift in positioning yourself as the guide. The second thing that you want to think about is the second thing that the human brain is designed to do, and that's conserve calories. And this speaks more to the clarity piece than positioning yourself as a guide. But um, but the, your brain is is on a very primitive level programmed to conserve calories. And it takes calories to process information. And so if what you're saying about your company is so confusing that people's brains have to burn a lot of calories to understand because their brains are wired for survival, they're going to check out. And so the other thing that you want to think about, not only do you have to position your product or service as something that will help your customers survive and thrive, you have to do it in such a clear way that they don't have to burn any brain calories to understand how you can help them. And then, you know, in addition to that, I, I think that that's a pretty big task, if you will, at least, you know, from our experience, JJ, when people come to the workshops and we give that illustration about the human brain and what it's always trying to do, people are like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked at all about how I help people survive and thrive. You know, when at the heart of business, you're in business to help somebody solve a problem, right? And if you, if you don't solve a problem for 
for somebody, you're probably not in great shape from a business perspective. So uh, really think about the problem that you're helping people solve and then communicate what life looks like on the other side of that. That's their survival and thriving. And that's what's going to motivate people to take action with your brand. Um, JJ, do you have anything to add to that? I can say one exercise, just really practical and shifting is without even looking at all your marketing, think about your own bio. Your bio. So a lot of people have their bios on their website or bios that they send out to people. And it, it really is all about what you've accomplished, you know, kind of all the highlights of everything. And if you stopped for a second and looked at your paragraph bio and tried to rewrite it in a way that it was, I mean, it mentions you, but it really is about your customer story. So instead of JJ me saying like, so JJ has a PhD, he's written movies, he's written books, he helps companies all around the world, he's really good at it, something in that space. Instead going, his passion of story has led him to help everyone else understand how story works. His favorite thing in the world is to sit down with a company who's really struggling and help them clarify their message in a way that grows their business. So just even those two little things, it's talking about me that I help companies clarify the message that I studied story forever, but it's not really about my story. It's about the customer story. Um, I worked with a dentist office and there was a, um, the receptionist had a bio on, on the webpage. And before um, we talked to them, it was like, you know, she has three kids and she was a three point champion in college and had all these different kind of just facts. She loves uh, Rocky road ice cream. And she rewrote just for the receptionist rewrote, the bio to say, as a mother of three kids, she understands how hard it is to try to get everybody in a doctor's office and ready to go with your the busy life that you have. So the minute you walk in the door, she is there to greet you with a smile, even if you had a hard time getting to the office. You know, just something like that. Instead of she has three kids, she loves Rocky Road. It's because she has three kids, she knows what it's like to to put three kids in a minivan and take them to a dentist. I think that's a beautiful example because that's what you're looking for. And as a customer, right? If we like Kula, as you said, if you take off your marketing hat or your storytelling hat, at the end of the day, you want to work with someone that understands your trials and tribulations that's been down your path and has empathy for the struggles. And so if you're a parent with kids and it's no small feat trying to get them to go to a place that maybe they're, they don't even want to go to, you know, and you read that story, you're like, yes, you get it. You understand you've been in my shoes. And when I walk in the door and even if I, my kid is screaming or yelling around in the office and I'm trying to, you know, like bring all the kids together and, and stop the chaos they're going to have empathy and they're going to likely greet you with a smile because they've been there. They, they understand that. And that's, what's important to you when you're making a, a purchasing decision. Is it not? Totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you, if, and even if you think about the relationships that you have, whether it's professional relationships or even in your personal life, um, you, you've probably noticed over the years that insecure people talk about themselves a lot. Confident people talk about others. And so if you want to be seen as a confident brand, if you will, that people can trust to do business with, then you've got to talk about other people. And, and the way that we teach 
teach businesses and organizations how to position themselves as the guide in the story um, is pretty simple. And it's just two things. The first thing that you need to do to establish yourself as the guide in the story is to express empathy, like you were saying, Daniel. So, you know, I know how hard it is to get all the kids in the minivan and get them to the dentist on time. That's empathy. Empathy really is just resonating with your customer's problems and saying, hey, I understand what you're going through right now. So you want to create that resonance so that you immediately build rapport and so that your customers understand that you are like them uh, because people who are like each other tend to like each other. So creating empathy around your customers' problems is a really great way not only to build trust, but to just make that human connection so that they start to move forward in their journey with you. The second thing that you need to do to establish yourself as the trustworthy guide in the story is to demonstrate authority. So it's not just enough to say, I understand what you're going through. You need to give people a reason to trust that you know what you're doing, right? So, um, there, there are several different ways to establish authority if you want to get really technical. I mean, number of years in business is a great way to establish authority, number of clients that you've helped, uh, testimonials of people that have worked with you and experienced success. All of those things will help you establish authority. Um, and, and so when you put those two things together, empathy and authority, and you keep it customer-centric, um, all of a sudden people understand this person gets me and they can get me out of this problem that they themselves have once been in and, and overcome. And a lot of, you know, some people might be listening and going, you know, but you just told me not to talk about myself. <laughs> you just, you literally just said, don't talk about myself. And then now I'm going to tell people that I've helped all these people overcome problems or I've been in, um, in business for a number of years. You want to make sure whenever you are talking about yourself, talking about awards that you've won or talking about people that you've helped or number of years in business, the only thing you're talking about in that space is things that directly relate to your solving your customers' problems. So, um, you know, part of why I don't often bring up the Missy Elliott video has nothing to do with like being embarrassed or anything like that. It's a great part of that. <laughs> It's a great like party story and when everybody, you know, when things get really low, like when conversation gets in a lull, I'll bring it up like at parties and stuff. <laughs> when it comes to like a business perspective, that actually doesn't have anything to do with my ability to solve my customers' problems. So I don't lead with that. It might come up later in conversation because it's fun and I'm building connection, but I don't lead with, hey, I start, uh, by the way, I was uh, one of Ellen's favorite dancers and uh, I was in Miss Yellow video. You know, I don't start with that. I um, And, you know, one of the things we joke with about, not joke with, but Kula is actually a certified yoga instructor. She is uh, an unbelievable yoga instructor and um and yet that never comes up when we're working with clients for that very reason she's put hours and hours and years and years of training in to help people in their yoga well that doesn't come up in the context of story brand because that if she tells that story now the story is about her so you leave out the authority, anything that is where you're talking about testimonials, when you're talking about years of service, when you're talking about number of clients, the only reason you're talking about that authority is when you're talking about it in relationship to your customer story and their journey. Um, I'd love to suggest and tell me if I'm off on this because uh, I use this as an example for clients. So this this will be a, a, a selfish, like you can tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. but 
one of the examples I love to explain with clients and prospects when they're saying, yeah, but I, I just, it seems like it's going to be really hard to do that. Now, I feel like we're leaving a lot of value on the table if we talk about them. And so the example I like to say is, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at a billion dollar brand that's had incredible success with that and making that the, the hero is the customer, right? They're only the catalyst. And so if you look at Nike's Just Do It, and I can just give a random example, and you're probably going to get a, a vision of Nike's brand, their culture, and their messaging of a gentleman and it's it's raining outside it looks like it's five o'clock in the morning like sun hasn't yet broken over the horizon and he's out there in the rain running down the, the road by himself right and obviously he's wearing a pair of nike shoes and then at the end of the commercial it's you know just do it right never once in any of their commercials and mark me if i'm wrong here i don't work for nike so i haven't seen all of them but you know i say to i say to potential clients and prospects, they say, in any of those commercials, did they talk about the quality of the rubber, the shoe, or how the longevity of the, the materials and the leather and how the laces will stay tied? Do they ever talk about actually anything at all other than, hey, we know you're on a journey and we're going to inspire you and we happen to have shoes that are going to get you on that path to go wherever you're going in life. And so, I mean, is that would be a good example of how you can really kind of say, hey, like we've got empathy, we can get you to the end of the line and you're not talking about yourself so much. Totally. I mean, I, I believe that you will not find a billion dollar brand that positions themselves as a hero. They all understand that they have to be the guide. Nike does it. Home Depot does it. CarMax does it. Procter & Gamble does it. They all understand that what their customers are interested in is not a list of facts about their company, right? What their customer is interested in is toilet paper that my kids will use. You know what I mean? And like laundry detergent, that's not going to make my child break out in hives. Um, so, so brands that win in the marketplace are ones that understand the story isn't about me. It's about the customer. Nike does a great job at that. JJ, I know you probably have some thoughts on <laughs> on that <laughs> i mean yeah I, th- one of the examples we always use is apple right yeah i mean apple these days they're showing their products a little bit more in commercials but for a long time you hardly saw their products in the commercials at all they were selling an identity they were selling somebody who was um on the cutting edge somebody who was creative somebody who was a misfit and kind of maybe didn't um didn't fit in with the normal style of things like it's people who lived out in and climbed climbed mountains and who painted uniquely or who made music in a new way and so they might show them using the product but really it wasn't about the product it was about the story um and i just think it's for both cool and i i mean we we came to this i came to this in particular as a customer myself i came to brand actually a television show that i had been i had sold to a production company and we were then selling it to a uh, to the networks and i you came, came to story brand as a customer story brand i didn't work for story brand at the time but i came as a client and um had a television show sold it to a production company and was trying to sell it to networks and I have been teaching you know my 
I, I taught communication. I did communication. I wrote film. I did all of these things and I discovered story brand, the, the simplicity of it. And all of a sudden I, it blew my mind because <laughs> I was like, this is what I've been trying to tell and teach people and do for the last 20 years. And it actually is much more simple than, than I would have thought. Um, and, and the big things, if, if for, for people who, you know, we have, we have workshops that people can go through and there's the building a story brand book and, um, that people can get, but really, I think even beyond that, if people just started looking at their own, um, material, just start with your own material, start with your website, start with your bio, start with your elevator pitch and just, sat down for an hour and looked at it and said, is this about us or is this about the customer? And start with that question. And then the next one is, is it clear? Is it very clear and concise in a way that people can understand quickly? We, um, we challenge our clients to take your laptop. If you have a website, which most people do these days, take your um, laptop to a Starbucks and open it up to your website and give somebody just a stranger sitting there three seconds to look at your website, close the laptop and then ask them three questions. What do I do? How does it make your life better? And how do you get it? Just those three questions. And if they can't answer those three questions in three seconds of looking at your website, then it's too confusing and the story is not about them. So, so just that's another really practical way to just kind of evaluate your own material. Is it clear? Is it compelling? Is it concise? Open it up for three seconds and ask the three questions. What do I do? How does it make your life better? And how do you get it? And see if they can answer that. I think that's great advice. And um, if I can for a moment, so let's say, for example, people do, you know, take your advice, they clean up their website, they're working on it, and then someone goes into their marketing list. And let's just say for this example, it's emails. Um, I think that's where... I don't know how, but sometimes there's a disconnect like, hey, I've cleaned up my, my website and I feel like it's following the story brand framework. And then all of a sudden, the people have this great experience on their website. They opt in for whatever, whatever reason to get some download or whatever. And then they start getting emails from that business. And all of a sudden, the emails are kind of like, as I like to say, it's that it's that random relative you never hear from <laughs> unless they call for money. Uh-huh. And then it's like, it gets to a point you, you understand every time that phone rings, you know what they're, they're, they're asking for something. They actually have no value to give. It's all about what can I take? Right. And so using that kind of theory there, that example, then these businesses start sending out emails and it, tends to be buy, 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 sale, offer, buy, you know, you know, expiring offer. This is gonna, this isn't going to last. And it's like, they completely disconnect from the story brand framework. So yeah. how might they take what you've talked about so far and make sure that throughout all of their communications, they continue to follow that the story brand framework? I think, you know, we've talked about the framework itself, those seven elements um, being very formulaic, you know, story is actually quite formulaic. And if you abide by the rules, you'll produce a story that people respond and engage, respond to and engage with. And the same goes for, you know, how you apply it to your marketing collateral. So um, 
if you think about, and Daniel, I actually learned this from you. When, you. when you get behind a computer screen and start writing email copy, you all of a sudden forget that you're talking to a human. And so the digital engagement that you have with your customers feels almost like a robotronic and you just forget to bring that human interaction back into it. So um, because the story is about them and because you are engaging with them and empathizing with their problems and talking about how you can help get them to success, I think the first thing to remember is that you're talking to a human, right? And you want to understand the problems that they're going through and show them the path forward so that, so that their problems are solved and you help them get to success. Um, another great illustration, if you will, that, that we teach at the workshops is this idea of, of your sales funnel. So the website, the lead magnet or opt-in, and then the follow-up emails uh, replicating human relationship. So um, there are, there are, you know, from a very high level, three main sort of phases of relationship with humans. The first phase is curiosity. And so when you first meet somebody, they get curious about you. They might ask you some questions. Um, But, you know, if you're getting to know someone, you don't open up to them completely and like air all your dirty laundry to them on the first or second date and hang out, right? So in the curiosity phase of the relationship, you can only share so much information because the point of that first or second engagement is to get them to the next phase of the relationship, right? So curiosity phase of the relationship. Um, of course, you want the story to be about them, uh, but you know you can't share too much and ask for too much in that phase because you just haven't built trust yet. So the, the asset in your sales funnel that would mimic that curiosity phase of relationship would be like your website. So on your website, um, the story needs to be about the customer. You need to be super clear, but you only need to give them enough information to get them to the second phase of relationship. So you're not talking about, you know, the ins and outs of your product or the ins and outs of your service in that first phase. Uh, The second phase relationship is enlightenment. So once somebody gets to know you a little bit, they start asking more questions, they're more bought into what you're doing. They want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, This would be, you know, like, 10th or 12th date, right? So you can share a little bit more information with them and still move forward. The, the asset in your sales funnel or, you know, your marketing funnel that would mimic that phase of the relationship would be the lead magnet or opt-in that you're offering on your website. So um, it still needs to follow the formula of the story formula. So it needs to be about them needs to be really clear. You need to talk about your customer's problems, show how you can add value, illustrate what success looks like, and then give them a path forward. So you can share a little bit more in depth about what you do to help them solve their problems in that second phase of relationship, but you're not getting to commitment yet. You're not even getting to the ask, right? So the purpose of your website and your lead magnet or your lead generator is to offer a ton of value, engage them in the story, show them what life can look like on the other side of doing business with you so that when you get to the point of sale, there's no doubt in their mind that they should do it. Which brings me to the third phase of relationship, which is commitment, right? So until the commitment phase of the relationship, you're not asking your customers for anything, right? I'm not going to ask somebody to marry me on the first day, right? It's just too much too soon. And it feels awkward because that's not how human relationship works. So the commitment phase of relationship comes obviously towards the end of, of the engagement, however long it might be. And, and the, the thing in your sales funnel that would replicate that would be the sales letter at the very end of your email campaign. So they come to their website. They come to your website. They're curious about what you have to offer. The language on your website super clear. It's customer centric. Um, it empathizes with their problem and convinces them to download your asset or, or excuse me, your free asset or your lead magnet. They download that lead magnet, get a couple emails 
um, from you that talk about the customer's problem, show how you can get them to success. They add value. They offer some sort of resolution to another pain point that you're dealing with. Value, value, value for, you know, eight to 10 emails. And then once, once the customer feels comfortable enough to commit to you, that's when you would send the sales letter. And so you don't ask for the commitment up front because again, it's just too much too soon. And that, that's just not how relationship works. So, you know, while every piece of your marketing should adhere to those seven principles of the story brand framework. You also need to remember that you're in relationship with these people and it's not natural for you to ask them to buy right out of the gate because they don't know you at that point. They don't know the value that you can add. They haven't received any value from you. They have no opportunity to build trust in you or to see that you've solved this problem for someone else. So that you end up losing that customer because you just come out of the gate asking them to buy. So I think what's been helpful for, for us is to recognize that, you know, the first, the first engagement, first or second engagement is like the curiosity phase, right? So you don't need to share a ton of information. And then the lead generator and the follow-up emails get them to the enlightenment phase. So you're sharing a little bit more, you're adding more value. They're, they're, gearing up for the commitment phase. And then that commitment phase would be the equivalent of a sales letter. Um, And that does not happen right out of the gate. And to add to that, I think a lot of businesses, they have a hard time swallowing that because they're looking at, hey, I'm making this investment. I'm, I'm building these marketing campaigns or, you know, I have to get sales. Sales is how we survive. So they're thinking survive and thrive. And so when you use this approach, sometimes in the back of their head, they're thinking, I don't have all this time to wait for people to go through all these emails and stuff like I need sales today. And you're talking about tomorrow or another day. That doesn't solve my problem today. And I, you know, you two tell me, does, do either of you two like telemarketing calls or door to door salesmen or, or saleswomen? Do we what? Do you like telemarketing calls? Do you enjoy like telemarketing calls? Likely not, right? Or like a door-to-door salesman that shows up unannounced and wants to sell you whatever gadget, right? And it may be a great product. It may be something we're interested in or we need, but it skips over all of the stuff, Cola, that you just talked about where, hey, we have to establish trust. I I have to be curious about the product. I have to trust you. There has to be an equal exchange in value in any relationship in mankind. It has to be equal exchange in value. And when that equal exchange in value becomes unbalanced, that's when basically you have deterioration of the relationship, whether it's a business relationship, a marriage or, or whatever that is, is you have to have that equal balance. So with like telemarketers or things like that, that get right to the sale, they're skipping over everything. It's jarring and we don't like it. So if you kind of use that as an example of what you're talking about is saying to anyone that's listening, that's saying, I don't have time for that. We have to, we have to get sales today. It's, Hey, if you invest in this framework now, then today people will start to move through. And as they move through tomorrow, they'll be in phase two or phase three of whatever that email cadence and that strategy that's been designed. And everyone who comes through in each day is going to be moving through that pipeline, having that relationship, that value, the rapport, the trust moving through. It becomes something that you're building long-term commitments and long-term loyal customers. Yeah. Would you all ag- agree with that statement? Oh, 100%. And, and the, the higher level of ask that you're, you're 
the higher investment that a customer has to make, the more this is important, right? So if somebody is, if you're selling a 99 cent product and you're like, I, you know, somebody's like, well, nobody's going to like, I don't need to send six emails to send, sell a 99 cent product. I would agree. You can still follow story in it, but if you are somebody who's selling um, consulting, that's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars, or you're selling a new home, or you're selling, um, you know, big kind of financial security, like financial advice, the bigger the ask, the more important this is. And like Kulu was saying, while you're building this, and, and it's not just that you're, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm not selling. You're selling the whole time. The whole time is a matter of, of walking them through the sales process. Um, so it's not that you're like waiting till the very end. You're selling them on you as their guide, as the product that is going to move them forward the entire time through this method. Um, and so I would say, you know, for some people who, if you're selling a 99 cent product, it might be one email, you know, it might just be one quick email that walks through the whole framework. But if you're selling financial services or a house, it may be a longer trusting and, and the higher the ask and investment that you're asking of your customer, the more important it is during that entire process to offer more value. So it's not just ask, 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 ask. It's you're selling, but how you're selling is giving them value. You're overcoming problems, you know, so say you're selling, you're, somebody is about to buy a house and you want to, they, you want them to use you as a realtor. Then you're giving them five mistakes people make when they're buying a new home, right? That's a value add to that. Or three things that you can do right now that will improve the value of your own home that cost you nothing. You know, something along those lines, you're just giving them value. And then maybe at the very end, you're saying, hey, if you would like some help with this, call me. But the five or six emails that you're sending leading up to that real like hard sell are offering value with a little bit of a sale in the process and making sure that it's all about the customer's journey. Yeah. And, and all throughout these emails, by the way, you're using the, the foundation of the story brand framework as your script a little bit. So this isn't just like, you know, random information that you're asking your customers to consume. It's very focused. It's a narrative that you continue to invite them into. So, you know, you can take that framework. If you create, you know, your, your overall brand narrative, you can take that exact narrative and then populate all these emails to make sure that you are filtering all your communication through the lens of story and to make sure that what you're saying is really clear. So, you know, from the overall perspective, story is the lens that you want to look through all this with. Um, but it also becomes like your script a little bit. Would you agree, JJ? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the things we mentioned that um, I'd love to bring up um, as we're kind of coming to the top of the hour is, you know, giving them a simple plan, right? And the simple plan of not just, you know, hey, this is how the the journey or the experience with the guide will go through, but how to buy, right? So usually it's, you know, a three to four step process and it's, and let's, I don't want to take away from that or detract. So, you know, I'll go to you, JJ, first. What does a simple plan in saying, hey, this is the next step or this is the step to actually purchase? How does someone construct something like that? Well, if there's any confusion about how to get involved. So if, if, 
if again, if it's a 99 cent product of that they're just buying, you don't really necessarily need a plan for that 99 cent product. But let's say your product or service is a little bit more complicated and there's a lot of things that are in, involved in working with you. You want to break those down into very, into three very simple steps. So first it would, it could look something like first call us next. We're going to actually look at your goals and develop a plan. And third, we're going to help you implement and succeed. So one, two, three, and that seems too simple, right? A lot of times like people are like, but that just seems too simple. That might not differentiate me from my competitor. All my other competitors do this as well. Well, there's a couple things about it. One, when Kulu was talking about the, that people, um, that the brain is trying to conserve calories. So you don't want to give them compl- uh, complicated processes. If, the, if it seems complicated they're going to tune out because it's they're going to have to work too hard so one you want to make it very simple and clear two um if even if your competitor does the exact same things you do but you say it in a little bit more clear and compelling way you're going to win that battle as well so you want it to be very clear very tight and it's called it's actually called the rule of threes our brains work in in the rule of threes. Um, like it's even in design and everything. Like when you, uh, when you, uh, when you have an emergency, you dial nine one one. When you catch on fire, you stop, drop and roll. Um, we are, we are able to memorize the, um, a sequence of three very easily. That's why phone numbers are even built like that area code three, first three, and then four. Um, Those are all designed to help us memorize. And so when you're creating a plan for a customer, you're helping them memorize how to work with you in a very simple and easy way. And you're giving them even language to go tell somebody else. So when they're talking to their friends and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm really looking for a financial advisor. Your customer can go, Oh, it's really easy. All you have to do is call them. They're going to set up your goals and they're going to make sure that you succeed. You're giving them something to memorize. Um, so you just want to keep it very, very simple. And that, and like I said, if it's a 99 cent product, it's not that big of a deal. But when it comes to the process of working with you, you want to take a lot of people think you, you mentioned features earlier that what people will do is they'll say, here's the 12 steps we take you through in order to work with us. And we think as a business that by giving all 12 steps that we're showing value, we're showing how hard we work. Well, again, that story is about us and we're making it way too complicated and over uh, overwhelming for our customer. So we need to make it very simple. One, two, three. The research shows that if you go to four, that uh, four choices that buying does not, it drops off a little but barely. But when you go to five or six, it decreases immensely um, because uh, people are just, it's too much. People are too confused. They don't understand how to do the work with you. Um, so, so we recommend a three-step plan, keep it simple and just think about, you probably already have it. If I was to say to you, how should people get in touch with you? You go, well, they'll call me. All right. Well, that's step one. And then after they call you, what do you do? Well, I sit there and I try to figure out what their goals are. Okay. That's step two. And then how do you like finish things off with them to make sure they succeed? Um, we, I meet with them every month to keep them accountable. That's step three. One, two, three. Yeah. I love, um, I was listening to a, a, a financial investing podcast and they were mentioning how, <clears throat> how the car sales industry was significantly declining except for one business 
that had massive growth and it happened to be CarMax. And it's, you know, using the three simple step process. Um, if you go to the CarMax website and they moved it around since last time that I was on there, but it's still there. And if you've ever sold a car before, you know, it's not a three-step process. Like there's all these different steps and paperwork and like all these things that have to happen and insurance and whatever. And CarMax takes this very complicated process and boils it down to bring in your car. We'll give you a quote on the car. And if you like it, take it. We cut you a check. Like that's it. It's three steps. Now, there's a lot of other things that actually happen in there, but they've, they've condensed it to a point that you're like, I understand the experience. I understand how you guys do the, the business. And I understand the success, which is if I like the quote, the third step is I get a check, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that CarMax is the only one from the last time I was listening to this financial podcast. So don't hold me to it if this is like a month later from now, but was the only one having success in the industry where everyone else is trying to do it in a different model, but they're using that three-step process. I also think CarMax does a really great job of positioning themselves as the guide. I think, you know, it's also important to point out that CarMax is a used car lot and it's the only one seeing growth, right? And, yeah. you know, it, the um, when people think of used car lots, they think of Danny DeVito, you know what I mean? Like someone's going to have, going to steal a bunch of money from me. They're going to sell me a lemon. I'm going to drive off the lot having signed my life away. You're, you're specifically referencing a commercial with Danny DeVito. We don't. <laughs> not, no, not I'm Danny. thinking of the guy from Matilda. Oh, from Matilda. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, yes. You know himself. You know. <laughs> oh, no, not Danny. I think of Danny DeVito from Matilda. I don't know if anyone else does, but you know, he like, <laughs> you know, like um, puts like hair glue on bumpers and like sticks them back on the car and sells sells them. That's what I was thinking of, JJ. Like the stereotypical used car, man. Totally, yeah. Person everyone knows, yeah. Like so, they know they're going to walk in and get, and somehow they're going to get like some kind of bad deal. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. And so, you know, how does a company like CarMax, how do they become the only car company that is growing year over year, including the you know years in the recession? Well, I think they make it extremely simple to do business with them. All I have to do is one, two, three. It takes the intimidation out of going to a used car lot and buying a car. So I think that's a, a big piece of it. The other one is they are they have positioned themselves as a trustworthy guide because they say, hey, we know that going to a used car lot can feel intimidating and that you don't want to have to deal with haggling prices with people who are paid on commission. So we've taken that out of our equation. So by empathizing with their customer's problem. You know, we know you don't want to come to a used car lot because you think you're going to have to spend hours haggling on price. Um, they've empathized with that. And then, then they've told their customers, all our salesmen are paid the same commission. So none of them are going to try to cheat you out of a price. You're not going to ever have to haggle about prices. And we have, you know, flexible financing options. So right away, they've taken the biggest fear that they have noticed their customers face. They've taken it out of the equation. And so that just removes another barrier for their customers and makes it unbelievably simple to do business with them. 
Yeah. They, and again, everything that you mentioned as you were talking that through, it's how they do business, but it's, it's relating it to the customer saying, Hey, we know you have these fears. Um, also like what I like to call friction points, the more friction right. is going to eventually stop that, that momentum and that, that process, the transaction. And so everything's like they're removing the friction, addressing your concerns with empathy and it's all about the customer. It's not really about them. It's about the customer and the process. Totally. So as we're at the top of the hour, I'm sure there's people that are going to be listening to the podcast and people that are listening now wondering how might they get a hold of either you two or, or, or get the book story brand or anything else. So um, JJ, I'll start with you and then uh, Kula, we'll go, we'll go to you. So what, how would they get a hold of you or what are the next steps? Um, you know, you can go to storybrand.com to kind of just see a little bit more about what we do. Uh, me personally, uh, the easiest way is probably on Twitter or LinkedIn. And my Twitter is JJ Peterson 75. And then, um, I think you can just look me up J dot J dot Peterson <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, and so those are, that's, that's probably where it's easiest for me. Yeah. I would say the same thing, Twitter or LinkedIn. You can just search my name on LinkedIn, Kula, K-O-U-L-A, Callahan. And then my Twitter handle that I made in college <laughs> is Kula Than You, because my name sounds like I'm saying cool, like C-O-O-L. Um, my roommate made that up my sophomore year of college, and I haven't changed it since. So there you go. Um, if in, you can go to storybrand.com to learn a little bit more about what we do. If you're looking for just daily business tips that will help you apply some of the concepts that we talked about today to your own business or organization, go to businessmadesimple.com. We actually just launched it this week and the feedback we've been getting on it, JJ, as you know, is just incredible. They're super short videos that you'll get every day from Don, who is the founder and CEO of Storybrand. It'll help you take you know, this idea of story, um, this idea of communicating clearly, and it'll give you a tip to implement that day that's really simple. It's not going to take a ton of time. It won't cost you anything. Um, but the, the videos are designed to either help you save or make money. So businessmadesimple.com is the URL. You can sign up for the daily coaching videos at that website and um, hopefully they'll be helpful as you continue to grow your business. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for taking some time out uh, to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day from listening here. Thanks so much for listening to the Business Power Hour. Power Hour.